0: Uh, In a lot of our songs and our messages that we've been proclaiming, that is the theme of looking up, looking up, and we're just trying to encourage people who are going through some tests and through some trials and different things uh, of where they're putting their gaze, where they're putting their attention, who are they looking for, for hope. Because what can happen is we can believe in God, believe that Jesus is God, But when the storm comes and the waves come and all the what-ifs and all the scenarios and how desperate the situation is, we can lose sight of the fact that His grace is sufficient. And it's not just grace as in like a story of days in the past or just a grace that's going to save us the day that we die. But there's actually a Christ calling us out in the midst of our dark times to say, My grace is sufficient for you, and so that 's what today that 's what today is and it 's an encouragement to someone in our church to just look up, to look up once again, and we 're in no way when we say that dumbing down your situation or your circumstance or minimizing what you're going through, please hear that today that we 're in no way trying to ga- uh, graze over or gloss over. Uh, the condition you are in or the report that you got or the prognosis or whatever it is. We're not belittling the reality of what is happening in your life or what you're living in. We're just offering an alternative. We're offering the hope that is a powerful alternative in the midst of your storm. And it doesn't require that you change your location, it doesn't even require that you change your physical posture, it just says you can just move your eyes, move the attention of your heart onto a God who is very real and full of hope. There is power in looking up, there's power in shifting the direction of your heart and you can find hope for the battle that you find yourself in today. So with this theme in mind, uh, we're going to look at one of the greatest chapters of our faith. Welcome to church, everyone, because this is one of the greatest chapters of our faith and our faith story and the story of God. It, we're going all the way back to the Old Testament. It's in Second Chronicles uh, where they are chronicling things and the things that they are chronicling in First and Second Chronicles are the acts of God on behalf of his people, primarily through the kings, both good and bad as the nation would have uh, different kinds of kings and different things would happen. But this chapter is going to show us that, that even through good or bad, God was up to something. And this chapter is going to show us that what can happen when we lift our gaze to God. And in this story, Jehoshaphat is king. He's the king of Judah. And let's just go right to it to kind of get the context and... Verse one, it says, "After this, so after these different things that Jehoshaphat has been up to, and that they're they're chronicling, the Moabites and Ammonites came with some Mianites They came to wage war against Jehoshaphat." Come on, have you ever felt like it wasn't just one thing, but it was many things that came against you? They, it's never just what they never happen in ones, do they? They happen in threes. So if you got, like if you got something coming up against you, just look over the hill because there's probably a couple more things coming uh, about this time. And they came to wage war on Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazan Tamar, that is in Gedi. So what happened? He got the news that three armies are coming against him very quickly. If something was moving at a pace that he could not stall or stop or avoid. It happens in our life. Things come at us that we can't control. We can't derail them before they get here. They're coming against us. They're coming into our life. We can't stall them. We can't stop them. What did Jehoshaphat do? Let's go to the next verse. Say this word out loud with me. Alarmed. I love that word. That's a good word. Because we're not promoting a faith today that says three armies are coming against you, but I'm cool. No big deal. Not even really thinking about it. I don't know what you're thinking about, but I'm not, th- I'm not even thinking about it. That's fine. I'm cool. It's all right. No, alar- you're not any less of a Christian if three armies come against you and you say, Hello, I've got some crazy news. There's some wild stuff happening in my life. I'm alarmed. And Jehoshaphat is going to prove to be an amazing leader because what began with alarm, let's look at what he did with his alarm. Alarm, Jehoshaphat, resolved. So alarm was accompanied by resolve. He says, I'm going to, to put a stake down right here in my thinking and in my mind that I'm going to look through all the options of, of what's ha- what, what we have here and there's going to be a resolution in my thinking. And what was that resolution? What was his resolution? Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Now that just seems so obvious. But that is often the last resort of the people of God. What do we do? We inquire of everyone else and everything else first. We inquire of the internet. We Google it. We'll Google whatever it is and we'll say, I have a pain in the left side of my lower back in the evening oh no I'm done let's try another site let's try another thing we start inquiring of other people. We get bad news, or we have a problem in our life, and we start. To, I've got to have coffee with you, like right now, today. I've got to inquire of you. We get on the phone. Anyone else faced three armies lately? What did you do? But Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord from his alarm. To say, God, what is happening right now? And when he did that, that was the key to his breakthrough. We, we always talk about breakthrough, but this is the key to breakthrough. To say, God, what are you doing? And what are you going to do through this? God, what do you want to do? So he resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Now, this fast that he's proclaiming was not a fly-by-night thing. This wasn't, we've got problems. Everybody start juicing. We just got to do a detox here. There's some GI tracts around here that really need to be cleansed. You over there, we really need to stimulate your liver, get your liver going better. This was not that kind of fast. This wasn't, this wasn't, hey, everybody, okay, we need some people to lose some weight really quick around here because we got three armies coming, No, this was not what he proclaimed. He proclaimed, we've got a big problem, and so we're going to need to cut out all the other distractions really fast, all the other things we've been letting get into God's place that we've been putting first. We're going to cut all that out so much so that, hello, everyone, we're not even going to eat for a little while so we can hear from God. We're going to starve the world, starve the flesh, so that we can get a word from God, because we've got big problems, and we've got to hear from God. We need to hear from God. Verse 4, the people of Judah came together, that was really smart on their part, to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord. This was up at a a high place in front of the new courtyard. So this was up at a, for these people, high places were very, very real. The mountains were very, very real for them and for the story of their faith. I mean, when, when the Ark of Noah found its resting place, it was on top of a mountain, Mount Ararat. When Abraham was in the struggle of knowing there was a promise coming through his son, a new nation, but God asked him to be willing to give up his son. And then a ram appears caught in the thicket. God provided, where was that? That was on Mount Moriah. When Moses met with God and the earth quaked and they couldn't even see him face to face, a cloud descended, the glory of God came. All that happened on Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. When the prophets of Baal came against the people of God and Elijah calls them out, calls down fire from heaven, that happens at the top of Mount Carmel. At the end of the day, Jesus gave his life on what some would say is Mount Moriah, the lower regions of that temple mount, on the, the lower regions of the same place where this is happening. And God is inviting us to turn our eyes up, to look up, to, to see that help is not going to come from these people. It may come through these people, but help is going to come from God. It's the same call he gives us today to get, to get our eyes up to a higher elevation. The help is not going to come from your circumstances. Help isn't going to come from a group of people here. It may come through what God is going to do, but ultimately the source is him. It comes from God. So they stopped and looked up. And what happened for them as they stopped and fasted and looked up can happen for us. What can happen for us as we stop and look up? The first thing that happens, if you're taking notes, is we see God is seated on an unassailable throne. That may be a new word for you, but I love that word. I want to invite you to look up, and when you look up, see God seated on an unassailable throne, meaning that it cannot be attacked or defeated. God is seated in that place today. God's not pacing. God's not even standing There's not an ounce of anxiety in God today. He's seated on a throne that cannot be threatened from any angle. The scripture says, Lord, the the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you so God you ultimately rule over this nation and their nations and you're seated on an unassailable throne of power and might and we know this but when the pressure of life comes we have to lift our eyes up above the wind and the waves and the when and the where and the why and see there is a God seated on an unassailable throne and he's my God that's my heavenly father seated there the second thing we see when we look up is we see that God has an unbroken track record of faithfulness. So immediately what Jehoshaphat does, because the, the backstory of this is these armies are coming from an area where God did not let the people of God go and fully destroy them. And so now they're, they've risen back up and they're coming back against God and the people of God. Verse 7, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? What Jehoshaphat is remembering is God comes through for us. He came through for us. That we've been knocked down before, but we haven't been destroyed. And that's true for you today. We've all been knocked down, but none of us have been utterly destroyed. Because you're still here today. You're here. You have not been destroyed. And you might say, well, God didn't come through me, through for me in this situation or this circumstance. He didn't stop me from making a mess of my life. He didn't derail me before I made the decision over here and now look at this situation, or, or he didn't help me in this area, or uh, that, that relationship, it, it can't be restored. That bridge is burned. So Ryland, how is this all gonna work out for me at the end of the day? Well, it's not the end of the day, is it? It's not over yet. It's three days in a tomb, then there was a resurrection. And maybe you say, no, you don't get it. That relationship, the bridge has been burned. They're with someone else now. I cannot reconcile that. This situation so far in the past, this other thing, it cannot be resolved. Okay, well, that chapter of your life may be closed, But the chapters of your life have not been closed. God is not finished. And this may be the tomb. This may be the dark part of your story. But God's work in your life is not finished. And God's opportunity to continue to do what only God can do is still alive today. This is not preacher talk. This is the resurrection. This is resurrection talk. It looked over when Christ was in the grave, and that chapter was closed, but the chapters of Christ's life were not closed, and the chapters of your story is not closed, and when we come to, come to God and say, I don't know if I can go through this, God is saying, you can't, but you can look up to someone who has an unbroken track record of faithfulness, the third thing that happens when we look up is we replace self-dependency with God ability. And God ability is so much better than self-dependency because self-dependency runs out very quickly. Because there are so many situations in life we just flat out cannot control. We can't do anything about them. Verse 12, they say, our God, will you not judge them? In other words, we're gonna need you, we're, we need you to get after these enemies, You've done it in the past. You can do it in the present. You get after these enemies, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And that's a great confession. Instead of lying here all night long, thinking about how I'm going to solve this, or how this is all going to work out, or playing out all the scenarios, I'm going to confess that I do not have the power to control this. I don't have the power to fix this. I don't have the power to manage this scenario. There's so much in our life we flat out just cannot control. And to just come back to God and say, God, you know, I can't go across the country and barge in and get my spouse back. God, you know, I can't travel to this other state and get my kid right now. I don't have the power to manage this scenario. I don't have the power to fix this thing. I can't do it then look at this desperate cry, we do not know what to do. And sometimes we just need to say the simple thing, I don't know what to do. Remember, Jehoshaphat was alarmed, but he resolved something. He resolved to shut out all the other noise so he could hear from God. Even before God spoke, he said, I'm going to remind us now of who we're dealing with, and we're dealing with a God who is seated on an unassailable throne. He has an unbroken track record of faithfulness, so let's put our dependency on him, on his ability. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God, I can't take on three armies. God, I can't control this other person. I can't manage this situation, but what I can control and what I can choose is my response. And my response is to have some resolve in you, to look to you. Verse 13, all the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. There they are, we've all come, we've all gathered We're we're all standing, we're all lifting our eyes. Mind you, there's three armies coming quickly. And we're just going to look up to our God. We're going to look up to our God because I look at God, then I look at you. I look at God, then I look at this circumstance. The Spirit of the Lord fell on a messenger. Verse 15, he said, listen, listen. King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And whatever it is you're facing, you've got to remind yourself that God is fighting this battle. That you can say, I'll do whatever God leads me to do, but God is fighting this battle. You know why that's important? Because I don't have the power to fight this battle anyway but my eyes are on God, and God is responding, and we're going to replace our self-dependence with God's ability, and number four, watch what happens next, God gives a promise for deliverance, he wants to give you a promise for deliverance as well, the battle is not yours, it's God's, so he says, here's, he says, the battle is the Lord's, and now here's the plan, okay, here's what's going to happen, verse 16, tomorrow, march down against them, huh, I thought we didn't have to do anything. I thought this was your battle. I thought I was just going to watch TV for a little while, kind of in the back of my mind, ruminate on some of these scenarios of how you might fix this, crack the door open afterwards, see, ah, he got it, good. I didn't think I, didn't think I was going to have to do anything here. What are you talking about tomorrow? March down against them. Yeah, you're going to go down there. You're going to march out to three armies. Okay, if that's what you say will do then that's what we'll do they will be climbing up the pass of Ziz I know this because I'm the maker of heaven and earth and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel I know this because I'm the God of heaven and earth so while you're playing out all the scenarios of how this might work out you might want to look up to me because I actually know how it's going to work out I actually know what's going to happen you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. These are the marching orders. And many of you have been given marching orders. The face of horrible problem or a diagnosis you've been giving your marching orders so the way that seems wise but as you go remember that those marching orders aren't ultimately what saves you it's God who saves you so yes go on the marching orders do the treatments take the regiments take what the godly wisdom that that someone has given you. Go on those marching orders. But all the while. Remember that this regiment. This treatment. This thing. That, that it's not my ultimate warrior. It's not my ultimate defender. God is my defender. God is my warrior. Go out and face it. He didn't say turn, turn your back. And pretend that they aren't there. No go face them. Because you know the Lord your God. Is with you. And God gives a promise for deliverance. Lastly, we see uh, how they respond is how we can respond. And we respond with pre-thanks to God. Oh, you've never heard of pre-thanks before? Pre-thanks is wonderful. You never heard of pre-worship before? Pre-worship is amazing. Pre-thanks are when you start thanking God for things that he said he will do, but he hasn't actually done them yet. God loves pre-thanks, post-thanks and post-worship are wonderful, but not like pre-thanks, because pre-thanks is faith, God has promised to deliver me, and I'm going to praise him and thank him as though he already has, because God's promise is as good as him actually doing it, and if you thank God after you got the deliverance, if you thank God after you got the thing, that's wonderful, because that's gratitude, but when you thank God before, that's powerful because that's faith. Verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face on the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud Voice. God has spoken. The people have stood. They have now bowed down. The worship leader said, well, Let's just start praising God right now. Let's just start praising Him now. Some loud praise right now because fear is loud. It's all consuming. Worry is loud. It can be all consuming. But loud praise drowns out loud fear. Fear and worship, they don't coexist. They can't exist in the same space. Worry and worship cannot exist in the same space one displaces the other and these people began to displace their fearful thoughts with faithful thoughts thoughts of God's faithfulness they began to displace their worried thoughts with worshipful thoughts it says early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa as they set out Jehoshaphat stood and said listen to me Judah and people of Jerusalem Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for his splendor of his holiness. As they went out ahead of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord. For his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. For his love endures forever. That's your verse one. That's your pre-chorus one. That's your chorus. Your verse two. Your pre-chorus two. Your chorus repeat. That's your bridge. uh, That's your your turnaround. uh, That's your ending. That's your intro. Your outro right there. Give thanks to the Lord. For his love endures forever. And the army begins singing. I think that's a great idea. Just throw the worship leaders out in front. And the army starts singing. And let's just read what happens. Let's just read the rest of this chapter. You can follow along on the screen. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Baraka to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. The Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. Tracking back with your outline again, the fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for God had given him rest on every side that's what worship does. That's what the peace of Christ does. And so many are looking for peace and quiet. When really only the peace of Christ will do. And so I just ask you today, the big question today is what, what are you looking for? Where are you looking? How are you fighting your battles? What are you doing with your state of alarm? And what have you resolved? What is the resolution in your thinking? And we want to invite you this weekend to look up. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, please let worship displace our worry. Let your faithfulness displace our fear. God, we need rest on every side. We need the peace that comes from Christ, not not peace and quiet. We need the peace of Christ. God, we just pray Psalm 121 this weekend. I look up to the mountains. Does my hope come from there? My hope comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Amen. Thanks for joining us today.